Okay, guys, good evening. Welcome to RUF. I am, I am so glad that you are here, and I am... Now, now you can hear me. Uh, it is a joy. I want to say to the two people on Zoom, I see you, I love you, I respect you. Come next week. We'll be here. Um, but it, yeah, it is a joy. I hope that you guys had a good, had a good spring break, and, and I hope you're as excited as I am to try to make the most of what we can do as a community for the rest of, of spring term. So... Uh, the fact that we're able to, to be here in these numbers in this way is a, is a joy and a gift, and I'm, I'm just really excited to get to share this time with you. Um, we are going to do a – my name's Lewis Lovett. If you don't know me, if you haven't met me, will you please meet me? I would love that. My wife Maggie is here. She's over here in the front. We, we, if we haven't met you, I just want to say make sure, we, make sure I do. If, sorry if I haven't. Um, or if I call you the wrong name behind your mask, but, but please say hi. We're, we're going to do a, a new series that we're starting here for spring term uh, on a section of the Bible, which is called the Beatitudes. Uh, that's the name given to the very beginning of what is the, the most, pro- probably the most famous section of written word in the history of the world, which is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew 5 to 7, which is Matthew's the first book of the New Testament in the Christian Bible. And, and, and here's why. The, the word beatitude, it means blessing. And, and as you, you can see it, it's printed on your handout. It's, it's a series of phrases. Each one begins with the word blessed. It's a series of, of descriptions of those kinds of people who are, who are blessed. And, and the reason that I'm, I, I want to do this section in the beatitudes, it, it kind of has to do with where we have come this year. That we've come to this point in the year, and, and for many of you I know, uh, there's this sense of kind of hopeful looking forward. Like I've got my vaccination in my veins and like things are going to get on the better and we can have 35 people in a group outside. Like I'm looking forward uh, with hope. For, for, for others of us, we're still feeling the weight of the pain of the losses and sacrifices uh, of the past 13, 14, 15 months. Uh, a lot of us are feeling a lot of uncertainty about the future, what it holds, what, what are we doing Next, and we're we're hungry for things like community. We're hungry to reestablish and reconnect with the people and the things that we care about. We're hungry to see things like love and justice in our communities. We're hungry to, to be growing. We're hungry for joy. We're hungry for relationships. And so we're we're coming to that point here at the end of what has been one of the weirdest and most challenging years of our lives. And we're asking, well, where do I look? Where do I turn? Where do I go from here? And so as a community of RUF, where we're going to go from here is we're going to look back at what is sort of the foundational Christian teaching on what it means to do life with God. And that's the series of nine blessings, the Beatitudes of Jesus. And, and this word blessed is sort of an important to understand. It, it doesn't quite mean something like uh, happy, like you'll be happy if you do these things, although there is sort of a measure of that in it. And it doesn't really mean blessed like you will have special favor from God if you do these things. But when you hear blessed, I want you to think about, uh, think about this. It is, the, it is the peace and joy that comes when your heart is aligned with the heart of Jesus who leads us and loves us. It's the joy and the peace that comes when our hearts are aligned with the heart of Jesus who leads us and who loves us. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go through uh, three of these beatitudes, three of these blessings, and we're going to do them in the next three weeks. Now, I, I am grouping them like this so that I can do a three-week series on the beatitudes, okay? So these three do sort of go together, and next week's do sort of go together, and the last week's do 
sort of go together, but remember that Jesus said them all at once, and, I, and I'm the one. That's a, this is a man-made division, okay? So I don't have a catchy outline that rhymes. My outline is, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, and blessed are the meek, okay? And those are the three Beatitudes we're looking at this evening. So I'm going to read this now from Matthew 5. Please, uh, if you have your Bible, Matthew 5, 1 to 12, or it's, it's printed on the back of your handout. And uh, I'm going to read all of the Beatitudes so you can get it in their context. But again, this is at the very beginning of this famous Sermon on the Mount where Jesus goes up and teaches this crowd and his disciples. Starting in Matthew 5, 1. Seeing the crowds, he, that's Jesus, went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is God's word. It's absolutely true. He gives it to you and to me tonight because he loves us. Let me pray. And we'll get started. Lord Jesus, I am really thankful for this, this chance to, to worship. I'm, I'm so thankful for a chance to sing together. And I'm really thankful for your, the way you've brought us and our stories to this point. And, and where we go from here, Lord, we don't know, but our eyes are on you. And so I ask, the Spirit, that you be at work through your word right now in us so we might know you and love you more and love one another. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I meant to do something before that I forgot to do, but uh, can we get some props out to the senior worship team people, our seniors who have been worshiping, leading us these years? Thank you, guys. It's a, it's a joy to have you. Um, and and there, are, there, are, there are those who are not up here tonight who are, who are also a part of that, and we love you and we thank you. Okay. Um, I, I am married to, to Maggie. She is, the, she is the love of my life. She is as perfect to a woman as they come but I was not always as wise as I am now. In my sophomore year in college, I took a girl named Mary Helen on a few dates. I was a sophomore at Wofford College, go Terriers. And, um, and I took this girl, Mary Helen, on a couple dates. We, we went out for pizza, and then our, for our second date, it was right before exams, or sorry, right after exams, before we went home for Christmas break. And so I wanted to do something uh, romantic and Christmassy. So I decided I would take her ice skating. And so uh, I found a, a skating rink in Greenville, and uh, we picked her up. It was kind of a surprise, and we went to this skating rink. And uh, I grew up playing uh, ice hockey. I'm not as good as Ben Gilbert is at ice hockey, but I grew up skating. I'm a pretty good skater. I can look pretty cool to a girl, you know, when I'm ice skating. And I was feeling like it would be kind of nice if, ooh, she falls. Good thing I'm strong and I'm here, and I can, you know, oh, let me go backwards and help you, right? So uh, we, we drive the 30 minutes to this skating rink, and we walk inside, and we quickly realize that it is not an ice skating rink. It is a roller skating rink, which I have accidentally taken us to. And this roller skating rink is filled with her and me 
and about 150 middle school boys and girls. And that is who was at the, that is who was at the roller skating rink. And so uh, we sort of look at each other and we decide, hey, we're going to make the best of this. It's already like not going that well as a date at this point. And we get our roller skates. And um, you do not look cool roller skating unless you are really, really good at roller skating. And I am, and I am not. And so we're out there and we're sort of fumbling along, you know, stagger stepping. And, um, and a few songs in, they're playing music. The middle school kids are, are whipping past us. And um, the, the lights go down and the music changes and the, and the, the MC comes on and says that um, it's now bouncing only. Bouncing only. And um, I don't know if you've seen the movie Roll Bounce or you're familiar with roll bouncing in roller skating ranks. I was not. Bouncing is where uh, either by yourself but usually with like another person or in a team of people, you are sort of skating and bouncing to the beat of the music in sync. So the music is happening and you're sort of like skating and bouncing like this with your friends and they're all doing and then you go backwards and you do it and you spin around and if you're really good you look really cool and if you don't know what you're doing you're just still on an awkward date with middle scores at a roller skating rink which is what we were doing and um and eventually like the the referee of the rink who's in charge of like the birthday party announcements like came up to us and tapped us on the shoulder and said you have to leave the rink because you're not bouncing and made us get off the floor okay that was the last date that Mary Helen and I went on, and, uh, and I think it's partially because uh, I had an idea of what it was going to be like, and it was totally different from what I expected. It was totally different from what I expected. And I think one of the things that Jesus is doing when he starts this famous Sermon on the Mount is something that he knew that people across the world, thousands of years later, like you and me, would be reading I think the reason that he starts it with these blessings, these beatitudes, is because he wants to show us that what life is really about, what faith is really about, is completely different from everything that we might expect it would be. Because Jesus elevates what the world has no use for. He elevates what the world has no use for. And so Jesus, instead of elevating certainty, he elevates humility. Jesus, instead of elevating dominance, elevates weakness. Jesus, instead of elevating achievement, he elevates love. He gives us the opposite of what we are expecting life to be about. And so what we're going to do is we look at these three Beatitudes, we're going to see the way that they are sort of the opposite of the way that we expect and desire to live, but that they are actually the way to life in God. And the first one that he gives us is the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And, and when you hear poor here, I want you to think of being in need. Poor as being in need. Not just not having enough, but being needy of something. And so there's a little bit of a play on words here. One way you could take this is that we are spiritually poor, meaning that spiritually we are in need of something, right? And if you are a Christian, you know that that's, that that's the case, right? But there's this other, other way of thinking about it that Jesus does, which is so brilliant, because the word for spirit is the same word in the Bible for the word breath, the breath that we breathe. And so what Jesus is saying is that you are poor in breath. And I want you to think about this for a second, because this is the picture that Jesus gives us for what it's like to be a human being made in his image, walking with him, okay? That you are poor in breath, meaning you are needy of breath. And I want you to consider the way that God made us. That he made us so that every moment of our lives, 
we are in need of something that comes from the outside which we cannot produce ourselves, air. Every moment of our lives, we are needy of something that is outside of us that we cannot produce ourselves. Jesus is saying that is what blessedness is, is to embrace the radical reality that you are in need of God every moment of your life. As often as you take a breath is as often as you might be reminded of your need of God. Jesus says those kind of people who are aware of their helplessness without him are blessed. Joy comes by coping with this helplessness without trying to solve it. And this is really countercultural. This is counterculture for the whole world, but especially at a place like W now, right? Where, where you are taught and trained and where it is exalted if you are self-sufficient and competent and high achieving, right? That's why you can't, you're being trained to go into the world and take over, right? And if you read the story of the scripture, you see that that kind of attitude, it, it leads to pride and vanity and greed and jealousy and insecurity at least a death. And life instead comes by embracing the reality that you are poor. That you do not have everything that you need. And in fact, you can only get what you need from Jesus and you need it all the time. And when you start to embrace that kind of reality, you grow in faith and hope and love. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And Jesus says, for theirs is the kingdom of of heaven. And I think about all the things that we think we're going to get in life and that we want. We want certainty for the future, but we can't really get it. We want our plans to all work out perfectly, and they, they sometimes don't. We, we want all these things. And uh, I have to tell you that you can't have everything that you want, but what you can have is the kingdom of God, which we talked about all last semester, which is the experience of, of living a story where Jesus is your king who speaks words of love to you. You can have that when you embrace that you are not rich, but you are poor. Blessed are the poor. In spirit. The second thing that Jesus reminds us, he says, blessed are those who mourn. Again, not what you might expect. Not those who are smart, not those who are strong. Blessed are those who mourn. Jesus exalts the ability to deeply feel emotionally pain and loss and to express that. Jesus exalts the ability to deeply feel emotionally pain and loss and to express that. And, and again, we resist this all the time because we think we're supposed to be strong and we think we're supposed to be tough and we think we're supposed to be optimistic and we think we're supposed to be like high functioning all the time no matter what else is going on. That's why when people ask you how it's going, you usually lie. And I think about all the ways that Jesus shows in the Gospels that he is someone who mourns. And I think about Jesus standing before the tomb of his friend Lazarus weeping in tears. And I think about Jesus the night he's betrayed, before he, before he gets handed over to die, praying to God about the pain in front of him and weeping. And I think about Jesus turning his face towards Jerusalem and crying out in pain to God over the lack of faith that he sees in God's people. Jesus is someone who mourns. This is actually good news for you and for me. It's because Jesus' heart is broken when you are hurting. Jesus' heart is broken at injustice in the world. Jesus' heart is broken when you, have been mis when, when you are mistreated in your own story. He cares for you. 
And we're called to mourn with each other. We're called to mourn over the brokenness of our own sin and our own stories. We're called to mourn over the pain and loss that we experience in life. And we're called to mourn over the pain and the loss that we experience in the world around us. Uh, for, for me, one of, the, one of the ways that this is, is being worked out in my own life, that God's at work in me, is, is the way that in the past few years, God has shown me some places of brokenness in my own heart and life when it comes to uh, racism, when it comes to the call to cross-cultural love, when it comes to a lack of empathy and a selfishness with myself and my time and my community. And, and maybe for you too, I don't know, but I think for me, one of the things that Jesus is calling me to as a starting point is to mourn. Is to mourn the brokenness in my own heart and my own story and in the world around me. And Jesus said that those who mourn shall be comforted. And comfort is such, a, such an easy but such a powerful word, isn't it? And the comfort that comes from mourning with Jesus is the comfort of someone sharing in your mourning with you. That when you pour out your heart to God in pain, he is with you and he pours out his heart of love to you. And that is the kind of people and the kind of community that God calls us to be. That we share in each other's pains, that we bear one another's burdens. I have had so many conversations with students who are, who are telling me something hard in their life. This happens to, to all of us who are on staff of RUF. And one of the things that we tell you, that we ask you, you may have noticed that this has happened to you, is we say, have you told any of your friends about this? And often we get an answer that's something like, I just don't want to be like a burden to them. And I want to tell you that Jesus calls you to be a burden to your friends, and he calls your friends to be a burden to you. And if you're not a Christian, then I want you to hear this loud and clear, that the beauty of being a part of the Christian community is not that we are strong because we have faith. It's that we are weak, but we have each other. Blessed are those who mourn. Uh, lastly tonight, blessed are, are the meek. Uh, meekness is another word that uh, we throw around a lot as Christians maybe, but we have a hard time describing. Uh, does it mean like just being really gentle and quiet? Does it mean being weak? Does it mean being humble? Does it mean being soft-spoken? What, what I think that Jesus describes here, and his whole life uh, pays tribute to this, that's why I think this is true. Jesus is describing with meekness here a, a posture and a commitment that is ready to encounter any situation with the willingness to bestow goodness on others. It's this eagerness to bestow the good that God has given you on other people. And this is central to the work of Jesus for us. Everything that Jesus has that's good, he gives to us. He gives us his righteousness so that when God looks at us, he declares that we are righteous ourselves before him because of Jesus. Jesus gives us his relationship with the Father, that father-to-son, father-to-child relationship, he gives it to you and to me. The indwelling Holy Spirit of Jesus, he gives that to us. His powerful life over death, resurrection, future, he gives that to us. His future home in heaven, in eternity, in paradise, he gives, it, he gives us everything good that he has. That's why Jesus is willing to go to the cross. That's why he's led like a lamb to the slaughter. That's why he doesn't fight the soldiers. 
That's why he doesn't call down an army, a legion of angels that is ready to fight against those Roman soldiers to free him from the cross. It's because of his eagerness and willingness to bestow the good that he has on us. So this is the attitude that we are called to have when our friends are hurting and when our friends have hurt us. And this is the attitude that we are called to have in light of divisive partisan political issues. And this is the attitude and the posture that we are called to have when it comes to difficult conversations about race and justice. This is the posture that we are called to have when it comes to what we do with our resources and our time and our money. This eagerness not to obtain and acquire and keep, but to give what we have for the good of others because Jesus has given everything good that he has for our good. And Jesus says that you will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Because there's a lot of rewards and achievements that we are chasing. And Jesus says that when you give everything away is when you inherit the whole earth. (laughs) It's when you give everything away. That means that life as a Christian is not about having the right answer or the right perspective. Although correct answers and perspectives are necessary. But it's also about an eagerness to extend love and compassion to those who have less than us. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Maggie and I spent uh, this, this past weekend and, uh, and our girls with some RUF students from Wofford College. Go Terriers, my alma mater, Wofford 07. And we were hanging out at this camp in North Carolina uh, on Saturday, and it was sort of like, low 50s and rainy, and this group of college boys and some girls, they played this game for like three hours called Shins. And the game of Shins is that you've got a line of like three or four guys, and it's, it's, like, it's like me to Alex. It's maybe 20 feet away, and another line of three or four guys. And you take turns taking a Frisbee and throwing it as hard as you can at the other people, and they cannot move. And they just they stand there like this, and you're trying to hit them in the Shins. And, they, and you take turns... I, I throw it there, then they throw it back. And they play, literally the same group of people play for two and a half hours. So that their legs and hands and feet were, were bloody and bruised by the end of it. But the rules are, you can't flinch, you can't jump, you can't turn away or else you're out. And for some reason, they were playing where you just never go out. They just kept playing. Like, there's no, there's no winner. They just kept hitting each other with shins. And I, and I, and I found myself thinking as I reflected on these these verses today, like, that's kind of how we think life should be, right? Like, I'm going to be tough. I'm never going to give up. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just dominate and never show any sign of weakness. And then people will think I'm the man. Then people will think I'm competent. Then people will think I'm strong. Then people will think I'm successful. And Jesus calls us to something that we would not expect. He says you actually have to embrace that you're lowly. You have to embrace that you are needy. You have to embrace that you are brokenhearted and everything that you have, you have to give away because that is what Jesus has done for us to give us life. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I am thankful for the ways you exemplify these beatitudes, for the way you show your neediness before God that even you said that you do not do anything on your own but only what the Father shows you. And I'm thankful for your brokenheartedness over our own sin and brokenness and over the world. And I'm thankful that you've given us everything that you have so that we might have life in you. Lord, give us the courage 
to follow you into these ways of blessedness. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.